thanks for checking out Covenant's podcast. Our prayer is that God uses this message to impact your life. Morning. Thanks so much for joining us, whether you're, you've shown up or you've tuned in. Uh, so appreciate the opportunity that the Lord provides for us, for this is his day, and for us to gather uh, for worship and to connect to him and to one another, even in this place. Um, that bumper video is that kicks off this series started with some, you know, kind of questions and, uh, you know, I think appropriate maybe this time of year. Some of you are, are, are maybe thinking about coming back in. We're getting ready to kick off a new ministry year. Others, this seems to be that time of year as moves have happened, changes have happened, that, that maybe this is your, your first time or one of your first times. And a special welcome to you. And, and I hope today gives a bit of an insight uh, for you that helps in your discernment process. Um, I, I get asked this question, is covenant still covenant? And, and maybe by that, I, you know, someone's like, hey, with the new building and with uh, changes and transitions with staff and leadership, with the impact of, of COVID and culture, has covenant changed? Will it change? I, I've been asked that dozens of times in various forms. Uh, over the, the past couple of years in particular. And the answer, I want to share the answer with you to that question is, the answer is yes and no. Maybe so. Uh, that's, the, that's the answer. Uh, maybe the real thing, though, that, that people are asking is, will it change the way I want it to change, the way I think it should change, or is it, it, it you know, it isn't going to change the way I don't want it to change or the way I don't think it should change, right? And the answer to that is yes and no and maybe so, right? Uh, but I'm just going to leave that there, leave that hanging for a moment. Um, last week, my wife Darcy and I, we were uh, in Seattle. As you were wrapping up the, the comeback series, we were in Seattle for my son and daughter-in-law's uh, wedding reception. They had, you know, uh, this is COVID season, so they had a, a COVID wedding, 10 people. That in, that's everyone included in Chicago like 10 months ago. All right, and so here we are 10 months later, and they're out in Seattle. That's where all of her family uh, is. And um, so it was almost like, and now I introduce to you Mr. and Mrs. Like, and, and then we picked up from there and had a great time, a great celebration. It was a lot of fun uh, meeting new family and, and, and friends. Um, but also as a part of that trip, when we first got there after, uh, you know, the long flights, and I'm sitting down, uh, Darcy and I are sitting down, and um, and, and, and my, my uh, son and daughter-in-law, they, they slid a, a picture in front of us. I'll show you the picture. What, what is that? What does that mean? Uh, right? And, and I'm, I mean, I'm pretty, pretty sharp, but I will tell you, they were dropping hints, and it was like over my head. I, I'm there for a wedding reception. And, and, and like, uh, I'm like, Who, whose is that? Darcy, are you? No. I mean, it was uh, so uh, exciting news. Um, my, my family has changed. It is changing. Um, you know, will it change? Yes and no, right? My family is still my family, um, but it's, it's grown larger and more independent. Over the last 10 months, I've added two new daughters, uh, and, and I'm, I'm still dad, but I'm going to be, I'm gonna be uh, I, I don't know, Gramps or pop-pop or, hey, you, pay for this. 
I mean, I don't know, um, but whatever he or she decides, right? And, and it's a lot of change over a short amount of time, but man, it's exciting change. And so you may see a little less of me. I, I'm Disney World, here I come, and I've already purchased a football for him or her. I mean, we're, we're playing catch, right? Things are being planned. Some of the changes, some of the changes are changes that I, you know, I've been praying about for a long time, right? Uh, some, like the news that I got last week, that we got last night, that's good news, that's exciting news. Others, though, other bits of news, sometimes you grieve over and you regret when it comes to family. Some, some I participated in. Others, I cannot take any credit at all. I was just along for the ride, right? That's my family. But this is also my family. You're, you're, you're part of my family. We're part of the, the same uh, uh, you know, bloodline, different bloodline than my, than my nuclear family, but we're family. Ephesians 2, 19 and 20 says, along with all of God's people, you are, we are members of God's family. Uh, together we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, and the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. Church is a family. It's not it's not a building, it's not an organization or an institution, it, it, it's not a religion, it's a family, it's God's family. And Christianity means not only uh, relating to, having relationship with God the Father, but it also means relating to other believers, to brothers and sisters in Christ. In Christ, we're a family. And families aren't fixed. Families um, aren't, aren't static, all right? Uh, Church families, like our nuclear, like our extended family, change in all kinds of ways, uh, in all kinds of, for all kinds of reasons, right? It's inevitable. The change is inevitable, and some of those changes feel really, really, really good, and some of those changes, not so much. Some changes bring grief, and, and, and others are, are, are you know, just bubbling over with the electricity of, of joy in that change. Families go through seasons of addition, all right, and, and they go through, they go through sometimes seasons of, of subtraction. Sometimes they, they multiply, and other times, uh, sadly, they they divide. But there is something that brings and binds a family uh, together, something that unites us as a church, and that something is really a someone, right? And that someone. That someone, that someone is Jesus. It's Jesus. We're going to walk through the book of Ephesians uh, to kick off the, the, the fall uh, on September 12th. We're going to walk through that uh, letter. And one of the powerful themes in that letter is that our identity, whether it's individually or collectively, that it's rooted, that it's found in Jesus. That it's in Jesus, through our union with Christ. God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is, is the constant in this family. Moses declared in Psalm 90, verses 1 and 2, Lord, you have been our refuge uh, across every generation. Before the mountains were, were born, before you gave birth to the earth and the world, from eternity to eternity, you are God. You are God. And that's good news for us. That's good news in the midst of, of all the, the uncertainties and the chaos and, and the change and the disruptions that God is God, that God is our rock and our refuge. A challenging season does not need to destroy or even disrupt 
uh, God's plans and purposes in our lives and for his church. God, God gives a, a vision for his church, our church, with the full knowledge, with the full understanding in advance of all the detours and all the dead ends and all the interruptions and transitions. God is sovereign. God is immutable. He does not change, and he knows, and he sees it all, and he plans. When he plans, he plans ahead, knowing what's ahead. All right? He, he knows every change and every challenge, and he takes that into account. And that perspective of, of who God is and how he holds that all together, that ought to help us to breathe and to rest and to trust. Over the next uh, four weeks, I want to I, I help ground us to renew our faith and to revive our relationships and to really reestablish our understanding and our commitment uh, to what's primary uh, here at Covenant, to our core vision and values, to remind us of all the things that haven't changed amid the changes past and those potential. It is a series intended to renew our focus and to prepare us for, prepare us for uh, this coming ministry year. And, 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 and I'll tell you, the staff is super excited about that because it feels like it's, it's been a long time since we've been able to plan and prepare beyond like a month. That was like, I don't know about you, but that, like a month has been long-range planning, right? And even that changes, so maybe two weeks you can do with any confidence. And, and so as we move in the new ministry year, but also, also as, as, as we uh, eventually anticipate the arrival of a new lead pastor, all in his time, I, I want to encourage you to take on your primary role in the, in the spiritual process, and that is to pray. To, to pray for the search team and, and especially be praying for the man of God's choosing um, and, and for his timing in that, for that kind of mutual discernment of God's will. Uh, conversations, I can tell you, conversations are happening. Um, individuals are being uh, looked at and talked to, and, and I want you to know that we can, we can, and we must trust God with the pace and with the process and with the person. All right, but join me in, in prayer over that, and we'll continue to try to keep you updated when news develops. Uh, the word renew, and that's the, the, the title for this brief series as we prepare for fall, uh, and, and I shared this in the, the, the blog that I know all of you read um, each week, um, but the verb can be defined this way, to resume to resume after an interruption. There are other definitions, but that definition seemed to me to fit in this season. Call them disruptions or delays or interruptions or obstacles, whatever they are, they're inevitable. And, 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 uh, and, they're, and they're just present in our lives if we look back, but man, I feel like that's been amplified to some degree, right? That, that, that there's been more of them and maybe uh, uh, you know, they've been a bit weightier in our lives and in our church. So I want to encourage you by reminding you of who we are, uh, who you are, who we are, and who we aspire to be um, as a church family. And I even want to go far to suggest to you that perhaps God has purposed in advance to use the changes and the challenges of this past year uh, not to distract us not to destroy us, but in fact to develop us and to accelerate his plans. That, that God is 
uh, good and God is faithful. And in my heart, by faith, I believe that the, the shaking and the sifting is something that he intends for good. You hear me? That he intends for good. That in fact, that he has every desired intent. I'm not saying he brought it, it about, but he's not surprised by it. And we shouldn't be surprised by it. In fact, what we need to be is simply surrendered uh, to God and allow him to do what only he can do in the midst of it and to use it for good, uh, to powerfully weave it in to his sovereign and his redemptive plan for us. That does mean that we have things that we need to learn in the midst of that, but most of all, it, it tells us that we need to turn our eyes upon Jesus, to trust in him and to anticipate and expect all that he has poured out for us and through us. Today is part one of looking at the vision and the values of covenant. Let's, let's just start by putting the, the vision statement up on the screen. You see it uh, scattered about, and, and, and I'm hopeful if you've been here any amount of time that at least the, the, the catchphrase, the, the, the pithy statement of building a community to reach a community is one that you can identify with and understand to some degree, but, but at least know. I want us to read uh, together, though, the, the longer explanation of that vision statement. Um, so let's read this together. It says, we are building a countercultural, Christ-defined community that intentionally prioritizes reaching our geographically defined community. Through the sheer grace of Christ, we are part of a community on its way to heaven. Reaching a community I just want to make sure you're reading it with me. And uh, so that, that's the, the statement. And, and, and I don't know everything. It precedes me. So I don't know everything that went into the writing of that statement. Um, but it drew me here. And it keeps me here. And I'm trusting, absolutely trusting, uh, until God tells us otherwise, that that statement represents God's kind of 30,000-foot um, uh, uh, vision for covenant, uniquely given to us through the leadership, through that discernment, through, through prayer. There, there will be other specific uh, opportunities and goals and initiatives and, and dreams, but this statement uniquely defines and describes what we are seeking after in his strength and for his glory. Got it? <laughs> Proverbs 29, 18. In the old, it's in the old King James Version that takes me back to, to uh, my childhood in the, in the Catholic Church, and it says, where there is no vision, the people perish. Or uh, others have said this way, where there is no vision, people will leave for a different parish. That's um, <laughs> more true than you think. Um, but, but the word there, it doesn't mean uh, uh, perish. It doesn't mean to die or, or to, to uh, perish in hell. That's a different Hebrew word. The word is translated, uh, uh, that's translated as perish is the Hebrew word uh, para, which has the meaning of going backwards. It also has the meaning of, of, of naked, but I don't, think, I don't think that's the one that's being used here. Um, but the verse is telling us, we put it together, the verse is, 
is telling us that if we don't have a, a mental picture, if we don't have a mental picture of what God wants us to be and to do, then we're going to go backwards. Then we're going to be we're going to be settling for less than settling for less than His best. Maybe settling for nothing. And, and church, I just want to say to you individually, collectively, don't don't ever settle. Don't settle for less than. In your marriage, with your kids, when it comes to uh, unique ways that God has shaped you to serve him, don't settle. Don't settle for less than his best. Don't settle for what you think is your best. Don't settle. There, there, there's too much to, to grow comfortable and complacent and, and coast and kind of retire and, and die. Too much is at stake. Lives are at stake, all right? We, we don't live in, in a, a geographic space. Remember, our, our vision is tied to uh, uniqueness of what, where God has placed us. And we don't live in a place with a lot of churches that are pointing people to Jesus. We're not, we're not in, in the Bible Belt. We're not so, I, I mean, I, I had a season as a lead pastor where I lived in a place, 13,000 people. There were 32 churches. I'm not saying all those churches were, were lifting up Jesus, but there were churches. There was no lack of churches and options for, for people. Uh, but that, that's not us. That's not where we live. And, uh, and so, uh, you know, places that are proclaiming and living out the gospel, there's something unique in this unique context. We're not perfect. We're not indispensable. You know, in, in many ways, we're not all that unique other than uniquely positioned in this place and for this time. Uh, but I'm absolutely convinced in that, that that we do have a significant, a very significant um, part in God's plan for Central Bucks. I believe that for you, and I believe that for us. Vision paints the picture of what can be. Vision is the vehicle that, that gets you there. It's, it's the key that opens the door of opportunity. And uh, we see this all the time, whether it's in artists or athletes or entrepreneurs, you know, those who are really successful, they'll, they'll describe this like, man, they see it before they do it. That does not describe my golf game at all. Um, I've, tried to, I've tried visualization. It doesn't, I don't want to hear anything from you. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't work. But, but, uh, but you see that, man. We're watching the Olympics, and so you feel like, hey, I, I saw this. Like, I don't remember who it was, but like in fourth grade, like she was already seeing herself in the Olympics, right? And, and you see some of this happening. Vision paints the, that kind of a picture for us. Zig, uh, Ziegler uh, tells about a motivational speaker, and this speaker would, would get like $30,000 to come and to, to speak and motivate a group of people. And so he was one time invited to a gathering of business people, and he used a six-foot chalkboard and a piece of chalk as an illustration. And he went over to the chalkboard, and he simply drew a dot in the center of the chalkboard. And, and then he started just asked the question, row by row, first row, what do you see? A dot. What do you see? A dot. What do you see? A dot. You get like the last row in the crowd, and, and, and they're like, I see what everyone else sees. I see a dot. All right? But the guy's paid $30,000, so I hope he has something else in mind. But he said, Herein lies your problem. Each of you sees the same little dot, and not one of you sees the six foot blackboard waiting for so much more to be written on it. We need to see the more and not settle for the less. We, we, we need to see that our, our church building, it's just a dot on the blackboard, folks. It's just a dot. It, it's just a, a tool to do the greater works. Great programs, awesome music, 
powerful preaching, wonderful small groups, perfectly brewed coffee. It's all great. It's just dots. It's all great, but it's just, it's just dots. But building a community to reach a community, seeing someone move, seeing someone move from, from, from hell to heaven, that's better, that's bigger. That's great. That's a bigger vision, isn't it? I mean, the opportunity to, to, for someone to go from being lost to being found, that's bigger, that's better, isn't it? Isn't it? Isn't that the bigger picture? The, the big picture is people being radically changed, radically changed and transformed by the power of the gospel through Jesus Christ, by his grace. We, though, we limit God. Let's be real about it. We limit God with our limited vision. It's not God who's the limiting factor. We're the limiting factor. We get in our own way with this. In Matthew 13, 58, it says that Jesus did not do many mighty works why? Because of their unbelief. This is like in his own hometown. <laughs> but their unbelief. They just couldn't see beyond the dot. Our, our building is just a dot on the blackboard. All right? On the chalkboard. Our, our worship service, just a dot on the chalkboard. Measuring seats and cents or, or, or butts and bucks, uh, it's fine. I'm not saying those, those measurements are unimportant all right, I'm an executive pastor. I look at, I look at that stuff. That's fine. It, but it's a byproduct. It's not the, 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 the end. It's just part of the, the, the impact and the result that you might be able to take a look at. But God has so much more that he wants to do in and through his church. Amen? He wants to build a community to reach a community, to make disciples who make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. Generation after generation, seeing his family through addition and multiplication in particular, grow and change in ways that become salt and light. For the rest of today and next week, we're gonna, we're gonna talk about the values. Uh, values fuel the vision. They describe, uh, really they, they describe Jesus and our pursuit of being like him individually and collectively as a church. Values help answer the question, this is a really important question, of what is it as a church that in, in, in God's strength and by his grace that we hope to produce at Covenant? And, and so this would paint that kind of a picture, these five things. So I want to invite uh, Josh up. Uh, he's gonna, we're, gonna, we're just going to talk a little bit, have a conversation. Um, Josh is uh, adult ministries pastor here at Covenant. Not only some fresh eyes, but I, I also know in talking with Josh that, uh, like me, that this vision statement, these values are, are very much over the course of an almost a year conversation that we had in the midst of all the changes, right? Um, but I know that God used that as he did with me. Oh, it was right? a big part of the draw yeah. to come here. And yeah, yeah I mean, we didn't talk about that in first service, but it's true. Yeah. Uh, Jenna yeah. and I, as we prayed, we kept coming back to these things. That's right. So the, the first one is missional. So we'll stick that up. Missional, there we go. And uh, for each of these, we're trying to you know, uh, dial that in a little bit. It says the, the world is not commanded to come to church. All right? It's not come and see. It's we're, we are to be Christ's ambassadors where we live, work, and play. And, and so we just have some questions to dialogue around. The first one, maybe it's, uh, maybe it's a little rhetorical in some ways or simple, but what was the focus? We look back at Jesus' uh, mission um, 
What was the focus of that? Well, uh, people. Yeah, people were his people. mission. That's but great. he says it in a bunch of different ways, like I came to seek and save the lost. It's not the healthy that need a doctor, but the sick. Um, and he says, I came to proclaim God's good news. Good news is only good if it's towards people that need good news. And yeah. so he'd say, you know, we've done ministry here. It's time to go to another town and preach, preach good news. Yeah. He's very focused. Yeah, focused people. and sold out on it, right? I mean, to the point where he's like, hey, I, I'm going to give my life for this cause. Like, literally, I'm going to give my life for this. He, he took that mission. He was sent by the Father, right? And, and he's, we're going to see him sending us, along with the Father and the Spirit. But he was sent on mission for a mission, and uh, yeah, for people. What, what does that look like? Um, take that and like extrapolate that. What does that look like for us to take hold of that mission and to live that So as, as we were talking about this kind of in preparing, one of the things I kept coming back to was the idea of focus or the idea of alignment, of integration, that we have all of these different compartments of our life. We have all these different places where we live, work, and play. And sometimes we are different people in these different places yeah. based on the needs. So as those come into alignment towards God's calling and purpose in our life, we find ourselves on greater mission. So there's a, there's a, a need for a consistency in a sense. I mean, both vertically and then horizontally, there's, there's probably a, a degree of which we can go, hey, I'm, I'm a... Uh, I put God, you know, first, and then, um, you know, maybe family, and then football. And think, well, if I, Jesus is number one, then, then I'm good. Um, but really, it's Jesus is going, no, no, no. I, I want to be in the center of all of that, right? I, I don't want to be, you know, one on a list, no matter where I am on the list. I want to be at the center of all that. So that's the integration piece of, of being on mission. Isn't, isn't like, okay, here's where I support a missionary, um, here's where I went to uh, study and I talked about Jesus. It's like, no, where I, and we describe it, where I live, work, and play, I, I am who I am. I'm taking hold of that. I, I like this uh, passage in uh, uh, rendering by Eugene Peterson in the message from John 1.14 where he says, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. And here's the deal. The way it moves into the neighborhood is that we take that and embody that. And, and, and incarnate that, that we, we take hold of that and, and we're in the neighborhood. Right? Yeah, with an awareness of people, with a curiosity about them and about their lives, wanting to actually know people's stories and yeah. be will, willing to open up a little bit and share our own because if we don't have that give and take with people, uh, then we're not doing what Jesus was doing. Yeah, and, and not just as a project, right? No. But uh, to check the box, but out of love. Yeah. Uh, the same way Jesus loved that we're, that people are going to know us out of that, that same kind yeah, of love. with an eternal vision in mind. You were talking about uh, fixing our eyes on down the fairway with the, with the golf swing. You know, no, I wasn't talking about yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the scripture reminds us to fix our eyes on Jesus, the yeah. author and perfecter of our faith. And we're doing that because he has this eternal vision of these souls of people, yeah. and so we, we keep that in mind. Yeah, he sorts that, he knows, but he invites us into to that. So what do missional churches care about? What motivates us? What's our, our, our higher values as a result of of being missional and yeah. hopefully love yeah compassion would be near the top of the list I had a scripture down here where Paul talks in the middle of 2nd Corinthians just about what it's like to be a minister of the good news you know what, what it means to share that which is all of us and he talks about this word being ambassadors and, and that you know just unpack that a little bit uh, or clarify it is somebody who goes somewhere else 
and is really a big fan of where they're from. Like, I want my nation to be good in your eyes, and we want to go to people and for them to love Jesus more. Yeah. So we're a conduit of his grace. We're, we're a pipeline of God's grace yeah. to people, and I love that Champion that for Jesus, right? Says, yeah, God wants to speak to them through you. Isn't that amazing? God wants to speak to people through you. He yeah. could have come in so yeah, many ways. Yeah, you know, again, I said this earlier, but like thinking about that, like, man, I don't know. I think there's a better plan. Yeah. I mean, he's, I mean, he's, he's using, I mean, us. Wow. I mean. Uh, a friend in the lobby today said, well, I'm glad that I'm a pipeline, but pipes get clogged. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, okay. That's but, true. But we're, yeah. you know, that, we're the plan. So he says in the Great Commission that really are the marching orders for us as a church. Like, those are the Great Commandment, Great Commission. That's what he gave. That a great church is comprised of those two great things. And he says, go and make. And the command there isn't go. The command is make. Make disciples of all, all people. So, man, that, that's, that's huge, but that's our mandate, and that's what we've been charged with. And, and it has both these pieces of that, of, of, of evangelism, if you will, and discipleship. Because to, to make a disciple, you need to be a disciple. And, but really, so often in the church, we like separate these out. Like programmatically, uh, we separate these out. Positionally, we separate these out, but they're not. Right? It's almost like two sides of the same coin or, or co-joined twins with, you know, one heart that's being shared when we talk about evangelism and discipleship, that we're really about both. Um, it's not about that uh, program and uh, budget line item. It really is about who we are and what we embody. I've heard you say many times, and I think you've probably heard Rob say that leaders are learners. Uh, this is something you'll hear from him and hear from me. And so in first service, I mentioned we, you know, not that a class is the end result, but we offer some disciple-making 101, 201, 301. It's a core yeah. class. Just because we want to invest in our church in, in recognizing what gifts has God given us, what is this mission, and how does it uniquely play out in my life. So that's something you're uh, welcome to participate in this fall. Again, yeah. not as check the box, but in development. Yeah, and, and we're, not, we're not saying that, you know, you, you make disciples in the classroom or in setting in rows. It really is not a relationship, but we, we do want to provide some some basis, some biblical basis, and some foundational habits that help us grow as followers of Christ and as, as ambassadors and witnesses for Christ. That's one way maybe we propel and advance it at Covenant, but, but what are the other ways? What do we really need to propel this vision at Covenant? Yeah, I mean, it, it may sound a bit cliche, but it's uh, certainly not meant to be, and, and that is the work of prayer. Um, I mean, that part of what prayer does, it, it changes us. It, it changes our perspective. It softens us. It also gives us the sense of passion and urgency in care for others. So, you know, uh, prayer, the, the work of the Spirit, a degree of, if you will, if, if I'm going to make this about uh, others, as Jesus has made it about others, then, then uh, I have to be a bit unselfish, right? I have to be able to say no to some things that I'd rather say yes to and maybe yes to some things that I don't want to say yes to in order to, to be uh, propelled and to move forward and to rally around that. Yeah. Um, I think also this piece uh, that we need to do is, is grapple with our culture. We need to grapple with, in our vision statement, we're understanding that there's something unique about our context, right? And that we're, we're not just going to do the come and see, hey, come see us. We recognize that that we live in a, 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 a post kind of uh, modern and, and biblical and countercultural, counter Christian culture, um, and that there's a bunch of barriers to that. And so to expect someone just to kind of show up, I think those days are gone yeah. largely. So that means for us, like, how do we step into culture? Um, 
and, 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 and glean something which... And that has to do with paying attention to the people and to yeah. the questions of life that matter to them. I mean, if we're not, we're going to move to relevant here in yes. a second, but if we're not uh, addressing the things that are on people's minds and in their hearts uh, and not helping them with the big questions of life, then why would they listen? Why would they yeah. care? You know what they say about irrelevant people? I don't know. And I don't not, care. Much. Yeah, not much. Not <laughs> much. Uh, you know, last thing I want to just say in there, it's, it's, it's kind of this perspective, though, that at least for me helps shape some things, and that is, even as a pastor, it's easy you know, to get kind of consumed by all the things that are going on within the church and to think uh, wrongly that, that what, what God has, what God wants to do is, is, is within the context of the church. And it really is the opposite of that. That God, um, it's not God has a mission for the church, but he has the, the church for his mission. Um, and I don't know if that makes sense as you flip that, but sometimes we're, we're and that like, it's in the whole world. It's that in his the whole mission world. is in the whole world. That's right. Yeah. So, you know, it's like it, it's just a change of perspective that sometimes we can get very, you know, hold things very tightly uh, and believe we're checking those boxes by what is happening here. When we, I'm not saying we don't want to see God work in powerful ways here, but part of that working here is so that the world may see and come to know. Yeah. So relevancy is, uh, irrelevant is a uh, second uh, value that we want to talk about briefly in conversation. And the, the um, subtext there is with grace and love, with grace and love we point people to God's word, giving straight answers to life's most pressing questions. And again, a lot there to unpack, but we're, we're, we're just saying, hey, there's a language in, in which we, we are sharing. We'll talk about next week in, in terms of being uh, accessible but with uh, humility, uh, with passion, without apology, but also to, for people to be able to understand, to give people the best opportunity to respond. Uh, and so we start with this, again, kind of this, this question, but is God relevant? Uh, is, is word relevant? Because we probably understand within the context of culture, that's not a, a, a slam dunk question. It may be for us, but um, you know, I, I would just say there's a bunch of scripture, if we allow scripture to answer that question for us, and I just push and challenge you to like open up scripture. What, what does God say about himself, and what does he say about his word, right? That it's eternal, that it stands the test of time, that the flowers are gonna fade, but not the word of God. So there, there is something there about uh, that, I don't know if we'd use the word relevant, but that's exactly what it means. Uh, Psalm 19 talks about the word of God as being uh, better than gold, sweeter than honey. And I mean, that's beautiful poetry and everything. But you strip it down and you say, well, that, that's money and food. Money and food are pretty relevant to me today. How about you guys? You need some money, you need some food. This, this person writing that thought the word of God was more necessary in his life that day than even money and food. So yeah. people's experiences through centuries have shown that the Word of God's relevant. It hasn't worn itself out. Yeah. You and I and probably everybody in the room and online can share some stories about times when you were reading scripture with somebody or, or whatever and this verse, it was like God wrote it for you that day. Yeah. Uh, or somebody comes in the sermon and says, that sermon was for me today. And so it's because the scripture touches a heart in a moment in which God does an amazing work. How does that happen? Thousands yeah. and thousands of years old. Yeah, that scripture. piece like, here we go, like 2,000 years old and yet you open and it's like, wow, how'd you know about the pandemic? Like, how'd you know about my wrestling with anger? I mean, uh, so yeah, that, that relevance, it, it's not... It's not like it has a word for everything, but it has a word of truth for the things that we need to know. 
And uh, it's not meant to be historical, but it's accurate historical. It's not meant to be scientific, it's accurate scientifically, but it is meant to, to, to point us to uh, a redemptive truth because it understands us better than we understand ourselves, both our needs as well as our, our, our gaps and, and our issues and our challenges. So where do we go, uh, Josh, where do we go? Uh, you know, part of the answer would be, hey, we need to go to God's word. Um, uh, we need to be encouraging you and challenging you to make sure we're teaching and preaching God's word, that that's what's elevated. But, man, we can also find that we do that all on our own. We can get a little wacky and yeah, lost. It was, it was on our heart as we were thinking through this. <clears throat> so he kind of gave me the softball question. He knew as the adult ministry pastor, I would say, where do we go? We go to small groups. That's where we go. We go to small groups. Because we know we should read the word of God, but if we're reading it by ourselves, it's so easy for us to get lost in what we don't know. Uh, trying to understand things just for head knowledge or even just blind to our own perspectives, not realizing that when we have community together, we see other people's questions. We yeah. get their wisdom. We have the grace of God through life experiences of other Christians shared with us. And it is incredible what he shows us when we come to Scripture together. Yeah, so they're not just Bible studies, right? And we say that all the time. Like, they're, we're not they're against conversations. Bible studies, but we do yeah. not call them Bible studies. Right. Why? That's because... There's more involved in that. Yeah, there's sharing, there's testimony, there's the work of God in the past and the, and the barriers right now that we need his help yeah. with, so there's real prayers. That, yeah, all those other ways in which God is able to speak mm -hmm. into our lives mm -hmm. and, and, and sharpen us, right, mm -hmm. in, in relationship to others, so super important. We'll come back and talk about that yeah, absolutely. in a few weeks. Mm -hmm. um, so let's talk about context. Uh, we've touched on it, but how can the church be relevant in its context and specifically in our context? Um, we, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm relatively newer to Bucks County. You've been here a little bit longer, and I think there's some, to use a phrase, uh, exegeting the culture yeah. I've heard you say. What does that mean? Yeah. It means paying attention. Yeah. It means paying attention to the people here. What's unique about eastern Pennsylvania? Why does God have this church in this place for this time? If there's an Esther moment for such a time yeah. as this, what is that for yeah. us? So uh, maybe you'd speak a few things. Well, I, I think when we need to... Sometimes we get in those kind of holy huddles and those bubbles, mm -hmm. and like we don't even know the question, mm -hmm. the questions that are being asked. Mm -hmm. We know maybe our our questions, but then we've been removed from that uh, at a distance where we don't know the questions that are being asked. And so, how do we bring to bear? And and so, yeah, I mean, there, there's uh, we don't have time, lots of details, examples. But one, you know, we we do live, we we do live one in a a pretty unchurched. A part of the country um, and uh, community, um, a high number of, of Catholics who identify as Catholics, but I'd say also a, a high degree of influence and education, and that can lead to a degree of busyness, a, a degree of entitlement, and I'll say one other, and that is a, a sense of wanting to be in charge and in control, all right? Any of you wrestle with control? No. I lied. I do. No, you yeah, do? I do. All right. Uh, so, yeah, most, most do. And, and I, I like this, this line from Craig Rochelle. He says, you can either be in control or you can grow, but you can't have both. The fact is, even when we have this assumption and, and presumption that we're illusion that we're somehow in control, we recognize we're really not. And things like pandemics and transitions and change, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll kind of like, eh, sorry, you're not in control. Um, but I think that's a good thing, and then it turns us then and allows us to, to see in the midst of a time when we want to be controlled, and this is the hard message with those outside the church to go, and now we're going to talk not about control, but we're going to talk about surrender. We're going to talk about submission, and we're going to talk about dependence, mm -hmm. right? That's, that's the message of the gospel, 
and turning to and trusting in. So that, that starts to get like, hey, in that context, man, that's going to be a, something we need to share, but maybe hard, and we need to do that with words that are really accessible. Yeah, and we have to do that in a way that is real, uh, because if, if, we're, if we're among people who struggle with control, and if we struggle with control, and we are projecting this illusion of our own greatness, or yeah. we're just like living our resume out loud instead of being real with them, they're either not going to be interested in it, or they're just going to see it as phony. Yeah. So people don't care what you're right about if you're not real with them. Uh, but if you're real and you're uh, meaningful and accessible to them and relational to them, you do have to have truth because you have to have something of substance to yeah. offer. Like there has to be something under it. But they just—they're not going to care if you if you're not approachable. Bounce. I, I don't get to just live like why they're such a good person. I, I'm I'm a Boy Scout. All right. Uh, it's not just being a good person, but it is, it is uh, taking on the character of Christ, but it's also then in love and out of relationship um, being ready to give an answer for the hope that we have. Like, let them ask that question because we're, we're coming alongside them. We're even coming underneath them. We're not trying to lord it over and, and you know, kind of pomp with that. And I think that word real, that's, that's a great word. Authentic is something, if we were to put something else down as a value, if we were to add a sixth one, I think it, I think it'd be that, right? Um, so last, last question, and uh, we'll go far with this, but like, what does that look like just in our, our walk? Have we already answered part of that? What that I looks think like? we've answered part of that because we want to be uh, the authentic person and we're a prayerful person. Yeah. But, you know, if, you, if you're looking in Scripture and you're seeing the way Jesus treats people, the interest, the questions, yeah. the follow-up, those kind of things are still the things. It yeah. just hasn't changed. You know, programs, like you said earlier, a dot, they're great. But, you know, how did Jesus address people? And that means he has an eternal view of them. He, yeah. you know, he has a plan for them. So we, we have that hope and that prayer for people too. So, you know, the, the intent, uh, Josh, is like these, these things that we're walking through, we'll come back next week and talk about accessible and relational and transformational. Um, you know, it'd be easy, like most churches have like a vision statement, have some values that, on their website, right? Um, who cares? At some level, but but it does mean how do you embody that? How do you pursue that? And 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 how how do we as as uh, pastors and leadership, etc. How do how do we leverage that and invest ourselves in that? Because we thrive, covenant thrives when we live out the gospel and when we seek to be Christ-like. Kind of a bottom line, right? When as a family, as a community, as a as a household of faith, uh, uh, when we when we build on that foundation of Jesus. And so, really, the vision, the values. Uh, the intent is that that just points to Jesus. Um, that points to Jesus in, in our lives and then through our lives to something bigger and better that he's purposed and prepared for us. Like Jesus said, uh, the scriptures are all written about him, but come to him to find life. Yeah. That was the key. That's where. Yeah. That's where. So, so next week, a couple other things um, you can expect. We're going to have uh, uh, some overview brochures that are going to be ready that you can take hold of, uh, especially if you are just looking to... Uh, to share uh, with others that you're in conversation with a little about uh, who we are. Uh, the website will be uh, reset and launched um, this week with all the opportunities to get connected, uh, to serve. Uh, Vision Night is coming up on the 22nd, and in particular, each uh, ministry department will talk about some of those unique ways that you can not simply be an observer, but a participant, an active member. I don't know about your family, but uh, you know, it, it, never cool in, in the family when I was growing up to like just sit and go, I can't wait for dinner to be served um, and the table to be set and someone to clean up. Um, but you get to be a part of, uh, of the meal preparation, delivery, and, and enjoyment. 
Um, and, and then there'll be these renew cards that we'll have, and that will be just an opportunity to indicate where you have some interest, some questions, and to get connected. And I do want to say, uh, you know, that um, uh, with gratitude for your, your generosity, in so many ways, uh, I, I look forward to sharing, you know, kind of new uh, budget as uh, our elders get through that process. And um, God's faithfulness through you and to us in, in this season has been phenomenal. I mean, just phenomenal. And, um, but I just want to thank you for that and, and the normal ways. And you can drop your offering in the mail or in the boxes in the back or um, are online. Um, but, you know, thank you so much. And most of all, thank God for his generosity, again, weaving all that in and purposing to do exactly what he, he wants to do and more than we can dare, uh, I think, and imagine. So grateful for this time. Uh, Josh, why don't you close us out? I'd be um, happy to. Yeah, let's bow in prayer together. Our Father in heaven, we come to you, and, and first, we are full of gratitude uh, because you have allowed for us and planned for us to be together here today, and you've known about these moments in our lives from eternity past, that you've been so faithful to, to give us a life and to give us a, a church, and that it's your church, and that you give us a part to play in it. Like the scriptures say, you've planned out good things for us to do in advance so that we can partner with you, and we're eternally grateful for that. Our prayer is that you would give us the kind of vision for your world that you have, that together at Covenant that we would learn to love other people the way that you love them, and that as we plan things for ministry this year, whether it's uh, groups or whether it is different meetings and activities or core classes or for the music at church or whatever it may be with the, the coffee and the hosting or any part of this, that, that with your vision of Jesus Christ, the author and perfecter of our faith, that we would begin to see that you're going to call people and move them from that eternal destiny of hell to that eternal destiny of heaven, that you are going to be saving lives and saving souls through ministry that we're even now just beginning to, to plan the seeds of. What an honor it is to participate with you in this, to know that you love people so much and so deeply that to you they're all really individuals and that the blood of Jesus is for them and that the Holy Spirit is calling them. God, we, we thank you and we pray, along with Jesus, that you would renew all things. Let renewal not just be a word of our sermon series, but a reality in our world. We think about what he said, that at the renewal of all things, that those who left houses or families or fields for his sake in the gospel would not fail to receive a hundred times as much and eternal life in addition. Mm -hmm. God, we know that your salvation already permeates those things that we do have family in your church and that we have a home here. People need that, people that are lonely, people whose questions, whose concerns, whose lives we don't even fully know yet that are our next door neighbors in the cubicle across from us that are across the street and we wanna hear them. We wanna see what's going on their hearts and their lives. And we pray, not of our, of our power and not for our glory, but of your strength and for your glory, that we would be relevant to them, mm -hmm. that we'd have a word of truth from Scripture and a word of hope for them that would be good news. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray all of these things, trusting that you'll do it for your name and through your power. And together as a church, we say, amen. amen.